It is my joy and pleasure to greet you guys tonight. Welcome to Crestview Baptist Church for the fourth night of our revival. We still have one more to go this week, right? That's good stuff. Uh, just uh, let you guys know, you don't have to listen to me long. There's restrooms this way out the door to your left. And this way out your door, if you'll go through the, the next set of doors, or down the hall on your right. So if you need restrooms, that's where they are. Just invite you to worship with us at this time. Good evening. It is great to see everybody here, but I tell you guys, those of you that have preached Derek and, and Buddy and Tom, it gets exciting when you look out there and see all these people. I don't know if I can keep it short. <laughs> I'm too excited. Gosh, man, this is awesome. Excited to have you guys here. And um, he tried not to get caught out tonight. He got here early. So he could sit anywhere he wants to, but Robert's still in the back. <laughs> but tomorrow night, we're going to be at Calvary um, to finish up this week of, of coming together as God's people and looking at the cross. So tonight we are hosting this. I hope you enjoy yourself. I hope you feel the freedom to worship our risen Savior. I hope that you are open to the Spirit moving and that you are able to hear from God tonight. So um, here at Crestview, uh, we start our worship service before the choir sings, but we start our worship service with prayer. So if you would join me as we approach the throne of grace together right now. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight as your people. Dear Lord, there are six churches represented here tonight. Six congregations. But dear Lord, we only have one Savior. And we are here to celebrate what you have done to us. We are here to celebrate not only what you've done to us, but what you've done for us. Dear Lord, because it is the cross. It is through the perfect sacrifice that we have been adopted, that we are known as your children. That we are able to enter in to your holy presence to make our petitions known. Dear Lord, we're so grateful for that. We ask you right now that you rock this place with your Holy Spirit. That you rock us to our core tonight, dear Lord. That you open our ears and our hearts. That as we sing, we're just not singing songs that we sing all the time. But we're singing them with a joyful heart. Dear Lord, as we sit and listen to testimonies and listen to the message that we hear you speak to us. But above all, dear Lord, may the gospel be proclaimed tonight. May lives be changed because of Jesus Christ. Bless us tonight. And it's with all honor and glory we pray. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, our living Savior. Amen. I want to start out with a riddle. Now, if you know the answer to this riddle, do not answer it. Because I want to see the look on some of the people's faces. And we'll answer it all together. By the way, 80% of kindergartners got this correct. But only 17% of Sanford graduates got the answer correct. What is greater than God, meaner than the devil, poor people have it, rich people need it, and if you eat it, you'll die. Now I'm going to say it again. If you know it, don't you dare say that loud. What is greater than God, meaner than the devil, hush on <laughs> poor people have it, Rich people need it. And if you eat it, you will die. On the count of three, if you know it, we're going to answer it together. One, two, three. Nothing. Nothing. What's greater than God? Nothing. What's meaner than the devil? Nothing. What do uh, 
What do poor people have? Nothing. <laughs> what do rich people need? Nothing. Nothing. And what if you eat it, you'll die? Nothing. So <laughs> there's nothing greater than God. And Artie reminded us a couple of Sundays ago about the Veggie Tales song. God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than King Kong. He's bigger than the slime monster. God is bigger than Godzilla. God is bigger than the monsters on TV. And he's watching out for you and me. Let us stand as we sing, How Great Is Our God. <laughs> Splendor of 
guys. I was wrong. You have to look at me again. Uh, I usually have the kids come down forward for this. But what I want to do is I want to give a volunteer. Can you come in? Can you come up here for a minute? You are the closest one. You look like you. All right. So we're going to talk about something impossible. Do you think, have you ever had to try to do anything that's impossible? You know, things seem impossible. What if I, do you think it's possible for me to take a piece of paper like this and cut it big enough to slide your whole self through it? You don't think that's possible? You sure about that? Alright, let's see. Alright, here's what I did. And so I saved me some time and I pre-cut. And I cut this piece of paper. Now this piece of paper has been cut. And it's cut a hole big enough in this piece of paper to slide it over your whole body. So that seemed impossible. But... With a, little bit of, with a little bit of moving stuff around and cutting, it seemed impossible. Well, you know what else seemed impossible? When sin entered into our world, it seemed impossible for us to have the relationship with God that He desired us to have. Did you know that? But a piece of paper like that didn't make it possible. But I'm going to show you. I, I, I folded this piece of paper right here. And I'm going to, I folded it up, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to tear it. Now, will you finish tearing it for me? Right down there. Keep on going. All the way through. Now, you can throw that piece down on the floor. All right. So, do you know what made possible a relationship with God like what He wanted us to have after seeing into the world? Unfold that and show everybody. Now, hold it up. The cross is what we've been talking about all week. And when sin entered into the, into the world, it made it seem impossible for us to have the relationship with God that He desired to have. But when Jesus Christ laid His life down on the cross, it made it completely possible because He paid the price for us. I hope you guys have enjoyed this week, and I hope you guys continue to listen and see what God has in store for Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everyone here tonight. Lord, thank you most of all for the cross. When things seemed like there was no way out, sin had us separated from you. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, be resurrected on the third day, to ensure us a place in heaven with you. And I am so grateful for that. All this I ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You can keep that cross. Thank you. <laughs> Would you stand again as we sing a good old hymn, number 139, At the Cross. 139. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 5.
Good evening. Uh, so, the pastor called me this week and said, uh, you mind sharing your testimony? I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. As soon as I hung up, the sweat started to roll. I was like, I don't do this. I, I, you know, I'm, I, this is hard for me to stand in front of you and do this because I really don't like big, uh, big crowds, speaking in big crowds. I commend anybody who can do it. I definitely didn't debate in high school. I didn't do any of that stuff. I'm more of the guy who stands in the, in the back, right? Um, so bear with me in this. So trying to do this in a few minutes and how to sum up God's calling and how continually... He didn't make it that far. <laughs> that he continues to mold me and times has to break me down and rebuild me. So because there's a whole lot of stumbling, a whole lot of disobedience over the years, a whole lot of repentance, a whole lot of restoration. Thank the Lord for that. So here's the cliff note version. Buckle up because it's going to be quick. <laughs> Ain't gonna be, hopefully it won't take too long, and hopefully I won't take too long doing this. But uh, basically, I was lost. I was on a wide road to eternal separation from the Lord, plain and simple. I was actually called when I was 12. And even though years later, I would be witnessed to by my wife, Celeste, here, her mother-in-law. Um, and I was, I was 20. I was, but I was already in the Father's hand. The only problem was that at 20, I was so far away from him and walked away from him so far and was so deep in my sin that I couldn't hear him anymore. And so, taking you back a little bit, when I was 12, I didn't have any discipleship. That's very important, church. You got, we got to disciple. Got to disciple. It doesn't matter if they're 5, 55, or 95. You have to disciple. I had no mentorship, no one to explain God's word, uh, lived in an abusive household. So I didn't have a mature believer to show me in God's word that things are not easy, but you keep trusting in the Lord, and he will provide your way. He will provide the means for you to, to get through it. He will provide a way for you to stand up under it or stand against it. And I didn't have that. Uh, I had nobody to pray with. I would see the church or my family, not my family here, that claimed to know Jesus acting like the world. So I wandered away. I don't know if things would have been different. But I just know that if I had had some kind of guidance like this word that I'm about to give you from God's word, maybe I could have went down and followed Christ completely and obediently. But I don't know. Second Thessalonians 3, 2 through 5. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. And pray that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil people. For not everyone has faith. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. I don't mean to veer off. That's just, a, you know, I'm big on discipleship. I, I'm just big in that. So um, I say all this because it wasn't until years later that someone dropped the bomb of a question on me. You're a Christian? What a slap in the face. Not just at me but our Heavenly Father. It was that day that the Lord would bring me to my knees when, you can believe me or not, a loud, clear voice said to me, you are done, you are done wandering. You belong to me, and I will not be made a mockery. You will not make a mockery of my name anymore. My response, yes, Lord. I had to repent for walking in a manner that was not honoring to the Lord. He revealed to me that he was my Savior, but I had not completely surrendered my life to him as Lord. He revealed to me that he was my... He began to open my eyes to his word, to his truth, what true obedience looks like, what spiritual leader is, how to lead my family biblically, whose glory I should be focused on, who I can run to before falling into sin. He showed me that 
the world does not have my interest or my best interest at all. He showed me, well, he saved me from going down the same path of a life full of alcohol, lust, and anger. Though I still struggle, don't get me wrong. And I'd be a liar if I said I didn't struggle. His, he is faithful to provide a way out. He showed me what true forgiveness is, how to forgive those who hurt me, even if they're not willing to accept it or return it. Church, he provides the best instruction for life. So, everything after that was peachy, right? No. Thank the Lord. I say thank the Lord for his grace, mercy, patience, and his sanctification process. Amen. Amen. I still fall, still stumble, still insert this foot because I'm a lefty in my mouth. Still let Daniel show up instead of the Holy Spirit, which gets me in trouble. I wasn't always the best spiritual leader of my household. Didn't always train my children correctly. Just more I had to repent for. But thank the Lord for his continuing work on me. And he is not done with me because I'm still standing right here. And lastly, I'm also thankful that he provided. The only way was Jesus to restore my relationship with him. He saved me from eternal damnation and eternity not being in his presence. 1 John 5, 11, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Continues to provide forgiveness, grace, mercy, because I am so hard-headed. Anybody else out there hard-headed? Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I wake up first thing in the morning and have a big old bowl of dummy flakes. And if you ever had that, you'll know what I'm talking about. He provides his strength, his love, his mercy, his wisdom, his goodness, his truth. Why his? Because mine have limitations and are worthless. He provides so many things. My family, multiple church families all over the country from being in the Navy, traveling, being in different states, uh, mature Christian mentorship, and brothers to disciple, to disciple with. He gives his discernment. He speaks his word. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 5, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. He gives us a privilege he gives me the privilege, and I'm sure anybody else would agree, to speak to him anytime. There is, you don't have to go to nobody else. You can go directly to the Father. And a lot of times, i got to be quiet and just shut my mouth. He is my creator, sovereign, almighty God, but also a loving Father. Does it not make you feel joyful to know that the creator of the universe... And everything in it, including us, wants a relationship with you. How special is that? He convicts and disciplines me when I need it, but also restores me to a right relationship with him. He gives me his understanding and joy during any circumstances, good or bad. He helps me to see people as he saw me. I'll never be as perfect as Jesus, but I'm always seeking after him to try to be. I know there's so much more to praise God for, but I'll leave you with this. If you are here and the Lord is calling you tonight, please answer. If you are lost and realize you need a Savior, cry out to the Lord. You want somebody to pray with? Come get me. I'll pray with you. If you're wandering like I did, and not walking in a manner that honors God or forgotten that he is Lord. Stop and repent. Be restored. So that's it. I thank you for your time. Let's continue to be worshiping. Thank you. We all know God is great.
He is the greatest when it comes to love, goodness, and in peace. He is great in his faithfulness, and he is great in his power, his glory, and his majesty. But what leaves me, and I guess all of us, in awe, is how great is his mercy. Because all of us are here tonight because we're just all sinners that have been saved by his great grace.
I'm not used to having you guys back here behind me. Is it, you got my back? All right. I know it makes people nervous when they're not used to getting up and speaking in front of a crowd. But the message Dan shared is exactly why I wanted him to share. Because it's real. Because I know that brother. And I know how much he loves his Savior. And I know that he and I cannot be the only one in this building tonight that is ecstatic because they are a sinner saved by grace. Tonight, if you can look, we're going to continue looking at the cross. And tonight, we're going to look at the cross, God's plan from the beginning. So if you will, turn to 1 Peter Chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 18 to 21. And we're going to, I'm going to ask you to do what we do every Sunday morning. Is when I read Scripture, where I'm going to ask you to stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word. If you're able to, please stand. It's going to be on the screen as well as in the bulletin. But if you've got your Bible, there is nothing like opening your Bible and reading it for yourself. So here... 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18-21, through 21, it says this, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For He was foreknown before the foundation of the world but has appeared in these last times for your sake, who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You for what we see Peter writing here. Thank You for the mercy and grace that we have received at the cross. Speak through me today. And it's in the holy and blessed name of Jesus Christ our Savior we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So, different versions say different things here. Different versions of the Bible. Different translations say different things. They, some say pre or foreordained, foreknown, predestined, they say it all. So, what does foreknown before the foundation of the world actually mean? What does it mean? Well, the Greek word that's translated as foreknown or foreordained is prognosko. That's the transliteration. I, did, I couldn't even begin to try to write it in Greek anymore. But that's the, that's the transliteration, prognostico. And it is a combination of the preposition pro, meaning before, and the verb gnosko, meaning to know, perceive, or understand. So the literal translation, is, as uh, Derek said Tuesday night, the Swainsville, because I, I live right across the, church, the street from the church over there, the Swainsville interpretation is this would be new, perceived, and understood before the translation of the world. He knew before the foundation of the world. So what does that actually mean? This is what it means. It says, before the foundation of the world, before He created, before He spoke the world into existence, He knew that his creation would fall before because of sin. Now, understand this. this my people here at church, they know that this just blows my mind. I cannot wrap my head around it. 
Because we as people, if we knew our kids would grow up to be exactly like us, we wouldn't have had kids. I learned that lesson too late. I've got six of them and they act just like me. What are you talking about? You look just like your daddy. <laughs> but, I, but God knew. He knew that His creation would fall because of sin. He knew that that serpent would go to Eve. He knew that she would, he would persuade Eve to do the only thing, literally the only thing that they were told not to do. He knew that he would persuade her to do it anyway. He knew that. It means... That before the foundation of the world, God knew that His, His creation could not redeem themselves. God knew. He knew that they were going to sin, that they were going to fall. He also knew there was not a thing they could do about it. They could not fix it. What did Adam and Eve... No, did you think about this? Back in the garden, Adam and Eve sinned they took that bite of that apple, or it wasn't an apple, that fruit. And what did they do? That, well, they, yeah, they ate it, but after they ate it and their eyes were open, what did they do? They hid. Now, if she's watching online, my daughter's going to get upset about this, but my, my wife used to have this, uh, I don't know what happened to it in all the moves we've had, but she had this carnival glass bowl that she got from her granny. And it was, it was sitting on our dining room table. And it was full of all the leftover candy. How we had leftover candy in a house with so many kids, I don't know. But we had leftover candy and it was in that bowl. She's walking through the house one day. And she looked. And she says, Artie, where's my bowl? I'm like, what bowl? She says, Granny's bowl that's sitting on the table. Where is it? I'm like, I have no clue. So we're looking all over the place for ball. Then we started counting kids. And there was one missing. And she's at home tonight with her husband because she had her wisdom teeth taken out today because she ate all the candy. Okay? <laughs> but we, we called her, her name, Leanne, Leanne, where are you? And those of you that know Leanne, she's a sneaky one. And she said... She, she didn't answer. We went and looked all over the house. We finally found her in a bedroom closet in the dark with candy wrappers all around her with that bowl sitting in her lap. <laughs> she hid from us because she knew she was doing something she shouldn't have done. So as soon as Adam and Eve did what they knew they shouldn't have done, the only thing they were told not to do as soon as they did it, they hid from God. Listen, I lived the majority of my life hiding from God. I'm going to tell you from personal experience, it does not work. It doesn't. We can't hide from God. Did God know where they were? Yes. But what did He do? He said, where are you? Because he wanted them to tell him. Not because he didn't know, but he wanted them to admit it to themselves what they had done. See, that's what God does with us. But God knew that they would fall to sin and there was nothing they could do to fix it themselves. That if he left them to their own accord, that he would never have a relationship with mankind ever again he knew that he also knew before the foundation of the world god knew that his beloved son jesus christ was not just an answer but the only answer 
sometimes we think, we, in our mind, we get so used to hearing things, but we think that, um, that Jesus dying on the cross, and I think Derek said it before, and Tom said it too, and this was not just a, a secondary, this is not a step back and punt because something went wrong. Jesus dying on the cross was not a fix the broken because God knew it was going to happen. He knew Jesus was going to have to die before He even said, said let there be light. He knew beforehand that Jesus, and not only that, not only that, not only did God know, because when God created us, He wasn't alone. And I remember being younger and think that he, I thought He was talking to the angels when He said this, but He wasn't. Let us Create man in our image. He wasn't talking to the angels. He was talking to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Trinity was active at creation. They were part of it. First John or John chapter 1 tells us that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Not little g, and there's no a. There's, those of you that don't know, there's not the, the, the letter a. The, the, the article a is not, doesn't exist in the Greek language. There's no such thing, no such word. In fact, the little translation, if you look at it and you put it word for word, it says, and God was the Word, is what it, how it reads. But then the next verse says, and through Him all things that were, are created that were created. And without Him, nothing was created that was created. Jesus was active in creation. And check this out. It means before the foundation of the world, Jesus knew what it would cost Him to create us. But He loved us and loved the world so much that He created us anyway. Now you think about that. <clears throat> when Jesus spoke along with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, God the Son spoke and said, let there be light. With His hands, He formed the dirt and then breathed life into it. And created man. He then took a rib. And created Eve. He gave us everything. Knowing. That this very creation that he walked with. And talked with. In the paradise. Was going to turn their back on him. And it was going to cost him his life on the cross. That's what from the foundation of the world means. Jesus created us knowing that it was going to kill him. And he did it anyway. So, was it God's plan from the beginning for Jesus to die on the cross for our sins? Well, look at this. Before Satan and his minions rebelled against God and were cast from heaven, God had a plan. Before the universe was spoken into existence, God had a plan. Before man was molded from the dust of the earth and God breathed life into him, God had a plan. Before Satan deceived Eve and she persuaded Adam to eat of the fruit, God had a plan. Before Adam and Eve hid from God, God had a plan. 
Before God clothed Adam and Eve with animal skins, God had a plan. You guys realize that's where the sacrificial practice took, began? With the fact that God shed the blood of an animal to cover our sin. That's where it started. But even then, God had a plan. Before Adam and Eve were banished and the certain serpent cursed, God had a plan. Before Cain killed Abel, God had a plan. Before Noah built the ark, before he drove that first nail, measured that first board, God had a plan. Before Abram was called to go to a distant land, God had a plan. Before the promise that Abraham would be the father of a great nation and the world would be blessed through him, God had a plan. Before Abraham and Isaac headed up that mountain and the ram headed up the other side to meet them right at the perfect time as that knife was coming down and God said, stop, God had a plan. Before Joseph was sold into slavery and taken to Egypt, God had a plan. Before the children of Israel were made into slaves in Egypt, God had a plan. Before Moses met God at the burning bush, God had a plan. Before the angel of death passed over the land of Egypt, looking for the blood of the lamb around the doors, God had a plan. Before the children of Israel passed through on dry ground, passed through the Red Sea on dry ground, and the army of Pharaoh were drowned behind them, God had a plan. Before Moses met God on the mountaintop, God had a plan. Before Joshua marched around Jericho, God had a plan. Before the children of Israel built an altar on the banks of the Jordan River after they crossed into the Promised Land, God had a plan. Before Job refused to curse God and die, God had a plan. Before David fought Goliath, God had a plan. Before Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem, God had a plan. Before the exile in Babylon, God had a plan. Before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked through the fiery furnace, God had a plan. Before Daniel spent the night in the lion's den, God had a plan. Before Nehemiah rebuilt the walls, God had a plan. Before he went silent for hundreds of years, God had a plan. Before Mary was told that she would conceive the child of the Holy Spirit, God had a plan. Before Joseph took Mary to Bethlehem, God had a plan. Before there was no room for them in the inn, God had a plan. Before the angel choir announced to the shepherds the birth of the Messiah, God had a plan. Before the Magi from the east gave gifts, God had a plan. Before John the Baptist baptized Jesus, God had a plan. Before Jesus called His disciples, God had a plan. Before all the miracles that Jesus performed, God had a plan. Before Jesus entered into Jerusalem with the shouts of Hosanna, God had a plan. Before Jesus prayed in the garden, asking God to, if there was any other way, God had a plan. Before Jesus healed the ear of the high priest, servant, after it was cut off by Peter, God had a plan. Before Jesus stood before Pilate, God had a plan. Before the shouts of crucify Him, God had a plan. Before the first lash of the whip, God had a plan. Before the crown of thorns were pressed down on His head, God had a plan. Before He cried out, before the first nail was driven, God had a plan. Before He cried out, it is finished, God had a plan. Before He was pierced in the side, God had a plan. Before He was placed in a borrowed tomb, God had a plan. And before the stone was rolled away, God had a plan. 
God's plan was from the very beginning, and he created us anyway. So the question is, why? Why? It's easy. John, in John chapter 3, verses 14 and 16. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes him believes will, will in him have eternal life. And then verse 16, the gospel in the nutshell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, July 18, 1967 in Lee County, Virginia, A 23-year-old couple had their firstborn child, a son. That son grew up in church. From the moment he was old enough to be taken to church, he was at church. Even then, God had a plan. This young man was sent to a Christian school. His dad was a treasurer of the church. He was ordained as a deacon in the church. This young man was a charter member of the church they were attending. He had served on committees. He worked at a Christian camp. But on February 4th, 1990, something happened that changed his life forever. Because God had a plan. And like many people that are sitting here, having grown up in church, knowing the words to every song without even having to look at a hymnal, I came face to face with Jesus Christ because He had a plan. And it wouldn't have mattered if I was the only one that needed it. God had a plan and Jesus would have still gone to the cross because that's how much He loves me. That's how much He loves you. And you've heard, if you've been here every night, you've heard this before. In a crowd this size, there is someone in here that was playing church just like I was. Just face the facts. I'm going to tell you something. February 4th, 1990, changed my life forever because I came face to face with the Savior. Everything that I had feared, everything that I was dreading, everything that I thought changed that night. I didn't think that preacher was ever going to shut up when he started praying. Because I couldn't wait to get down the aisle. But you mean to tell you what got me to that point? Is my deacon father that afternoon prayed to accept Christ as his Savior in the parking lot of the, of the uh, post office. Because they had moved away and had moved back. And the pastor said, I know this is silly. But I've got to ask you anyway. He came, they came forward to rejoin the church. And he says, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? And he said, yes. When they got to the parking lot, my mom had been sitting there in silence. They got to the post office after leaving church. And she said, you lied. She goes, I looked at, your, and you, looked at you in the eyes when you said that. And she said, you lied to the preacher. And my dad said, you're right. And there in the parking lot, prayed to accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. Boy, you talk about a dramatic change in, the, in a man. My dad changed immediately. Immediately. And even now, you can ask any of my kids, when he starts talking about Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes out his eyeballs. And I inherited that. 
But he got saved. And the first person he went to go tell was the preacher. And said, I lied to you. And told him what had happened in the parking lot. He then told him this. Artie's next. And that night was the longest service I'd ever set in in my life. I could not wait for them to even start singing. As soon as he got the uh out of amen, I was down that aisle. Before the, the, the music minister got up, before the piano player got up, before anything, I could not wait. Because I wanted to meet Jesus. And he changed my life. And it wasn't six months later that he called me to ministry. And I fought against him. I fought against that call so many times. From, from being and working in, in, in ministry to getting my feelings hurt and leaving. But I want to tell you something. God will not let go of you until you do what he says. And no matter if you like it or not, you're going to be miserable unless you do what he says. That means calling you to salvation too. Because God has a plan. And that plan goes through the cross. We can't deny it. We can't escape it. And I'm going to say this. As we get ready to sing this song, an invitation. This is the invitation. It's simple doesn't matter if you've been in church your whole life and you're 95 years old. Jesus died for you. It doesn't matter if you're 10. Jesus died for you. Doesn't matter if you're a deacon. Doesn't matter if you're the pastor. Believe it or not, pastors get saved. I know that, but pastors get saved. <clears throat> doesn't matter who you are. And what you've done. If you never came face to face with Jesus Christ. I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading with you. Don't leave this place tonight. Without praying to accept Jesus Christ. Our altar is open. Doesn't matter if you need to come up here and pray. You want to come talk to me. Talk to one of your pastor or your pastor. Or talk to somebody else. Don't leave this place tonight. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We are not guaranteed anything. The only thing that we are guaranteed that if we die without knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're going to spend eternity in hell separated from Him. And yes, I believe hell is a literal place full of fire and gnashing and hollering and, and it just eternal torment. But I also believe that heaven is real. And the moment that we close our eyes in death here on this earth, we open them in the presence of our Savior with our salvation being made complete. Because that's what He promises us. And He has never gone back on a promise. So I plead with you tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't leave this place tonight without, without meeting Him. I would love to introduce you to Him. As we sing this song, that's the invitation. Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation, 134, Jesus Paid It All.
being here tonight. Don't forget, tomorrow night, we're not done yet. We, we've had, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I didn't know it, but a bunch of Baptists singing sounds pretty. <laughs> it sounds awesome. So tomorrow night, we've had four great nights. Tomorrow night, we're going to be at Calvary with Robert. And I encourage you all to be there, 6.30. And we even got Jason back there in the back. Jason's on the back row tonight, Robert. You got, you got Trump by Jason. Our, our director of missions is back there. Thank you for being here. Uh, I hope that you felt comfortable. I hope that you were able to worship tonight. And I encourage you, I encourage you, don't forget about tomorrow night. And then next Wednesday at 6.30 at Poplar Springs, we're going to gather together to celebrate Holy Week. And we're going to come together, not as a single church, but as children of God to celebrate communion together. So I encourage you to be there also at 6.30 next Wednesday and tomorrow night with Robert at Calvary. And I'm going to ask that our chairman of deacons, if Jim Humphreys, if he would come and dismiss us in prayer. Would you pray with me, please? Most gracious Heavenly Father, th thank you so much. Thank you so much. Jesus certainly paid it all. From the very beginning, you had a plan. And you loved us. And you provided salvation for us. And Lord, we've been in your presence. Thank you so much. As we leave this place tonight, Lord, keep our hearts full of the Spirit, our mind full of the words, and our eyes on that cross where Jesus paid the price. Thank you so much. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.